podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. Ah, feels like it's been a while for me since I was last on, but it's probably only been a couple of episodes. Um, I am joined today by Yas. How's it going, Yas? I'm good, I'm good, man. Uh, Sai, how you doing? I'm good. I had to sage the room for any uh, bad vibes. Yeah, I, I, I see. Well, we'll get into that. We'll get into you know that. What? I, the thing is, yeah, and I, I get it. It's like, you know what? Native American practice, heritage. I hear that. And Kyrie's mom's side, you know. But oh, is he, you he, talk he... about it. It's like he only just Googled it and only just found out about it. And oh, yeah, I'll use it now. It'll be great. There's definitely a proportion of him that's trolling all of us in it, and he, and he, and he, as much as he complains about the media cycle and stuff, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's having, he's having a, a laugh at our expense, and I guess uh, it, it's funny uh, if you if you win, but if you don't, we're <laughs> a twat for doing it, aren't we? So be great to do it before the Brooklyn, the first game as well at Barclays. So it wasn't all just performative. Uh, now, I think even like even before, I think he just it's a thing in it. Like who, who else? Who else is you know walking around with sage and cleansing the cleansing the the court and the arena of of, of bad juju? Like Kyrie, you know you know what you're doing, man. But uh, <laughs> without further ado, uh, we're going to get into our Eastern Conference preview. So uh, it makes sense that I'm joined by uh, Celtics fan in Yas. Um, 17 banners uh, doesn't look like that's going up anytime soon. And um... we're having a transitional year, but 18 <laughs> is coming. It's coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, obviously, Sai, who obviously based off the couple of preseason games that we've seen so far, uh, and, and KD's uh, return, is probably feeling more optimistic than most. But we, we will get into it. Um, what we're going to do for this episode, we're just going to use uh, last season's regular season standards as our kind of. Um, list so we'll start from the bottom and just kind of make our way up so uh with, with that being said uh we'll start with the uh cleveland cavaliers uh whew, they, they haven't been relevant in a minute um they're off season joe Vel mcgee came in they drafted isaac okoro lamar stevens also came in uh tristan thompson went to your celtics they've lost jordan bell and also alfonso mckinney um listen this is one of them teams that's going to be really quick isn't it like yeah, yeah, yeah. Their coach is yeah. JB Bickerstaff, who's basically a rookie, a rookie coach. Um, what are we expecting from from them this season, if anything? More of the same. Um, they're going to be in the pits of of the East. They're going to be whipping boys, and they will make the lottery all over again, and just keep drafting and drafting and drafting because I can't see where it gets any better for them. Yeah, not a free agency destination. Uh, obviously, they look probably looking at. Uh, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland hoping that one of them makes a, a jump to potentially being in and around all-star level. They've got the ghost of Kevin Love still on their roster, believe it or not. Uh, but uh, other than that, I don't really see yeah, what's going on for them. They're probably looking at the 2021 draft and they're probably scouting prospects as, as we speak, to be honest with you. They need to... The thing is, as well, uh, I'm not huge on Garland, but Sexton is good. I think they're overrating him, obviously, because he's in a nothing situation where he can just put up points and have his highlights and whatever. But he is good. We just don't know how good he is. Mm. They got made my one of my favourite rookies this year in Isaac Okoro. He was probably one of my three favourite rookies all year. 
he's looked decent in in preseason. Um, and then they have like the odd little piece. Okay, Garland is there, or whatever. And then if they just have the year that we're expecting them to, and they get a really high draft pick, and they get someone outstanding like Cade Cunningham or, or whatever, that's three um, really promising young players. So. Like we said on the Western Conference preview, there's one or two teams that it's just like, you know what, just tank it up. Don't worry about it. Just tank it up. Like from when you're, I know it's preseason, but when you're conceding 119 points to the New York Knicks, like just tank it up. Tank it up. Yeah, yeah. I think, we you know, Cleveland has been all about LeBron and uh, they're just going to need, yeah, they're going to need to do a job in terms of their internal development of, of players and also the luck that comes with where you finish in the draft. Um, so, Cleveland, that was nice, short and sweet. The next team we've got... And Kevin Porter Jr. bus case as well. On his, oh, I uh, saw uh, that. I on saw his that. weapons <laughs> and drug charges, so that's good. I saw that, I saw that. So, I mean, that, that's a plus, I guess. Uh, in regards to the drug side, probably Adam Silver had a little word with somebody and said, you know what, we ain't checking for it this season, so you don't need to either. Uh, in terms of the uh, weapons charges, uh, I prefer not to speak, as, as a certain Jose Mourinho has been known to, to say. <laughs> Um, next up is the Atlanta Hawks. They have been busy, busy boys, busy, busy boys. So in terms of their um, summer, autumn, winter, whatever you want to call it, um, they brought in Danilo Gallinari. They brought in Chris Dunn. They brought in Rajon Rondo. They brought in Tony Sell. They brought in Onyeka Onkongu. They brought in Bogan Bagdanovic. I'm probably missing some people. They've gotten rid of Damian Jones, Jeff Teague. DeAndre Bembry, and obviously uh, the legend Vince Carter has retired. Um, listen, I think with all the cap space that they had and the, the talent that they have on their roster, essentially they was like, you know what, why not? We're not going to draft any of the, we're not going to get any of the super free agents. So let's actually use this um, cap space we have and let's make an actual effort to see where we can go this season. Uh, with all those moves that they've made, what are we actually expecting from them this season? I'm, I'm actually quite um, impressed with how, how quickly they've turned over that roster. Um, I do think they'll be on the outskirts of playoff places. Uh, so I think they'll, they'll make it to the play-in at the very least. Um, seventh, eighth seed, they could. They could take that leap, but it's going to be heavily dependent on not only Trey Young, but I think uh, John Collins is going to be the guy to look out for this season. I think he's he's already in that sort of 20 and 10 sort of realm. So I do think he just needs to bump those numbers up and be a bit more of a presence on defense. And then I think they'll be fine. Um, perimeter D is going to be a little bit of a problem. So again, it's going to be a case of them outscoring opponents more often than not. Um, and that tends to push you down a few places in run-ins for playoff places. So it will be interesting, but they are going to be extremely fun to watch. Yeah, because you look at you look at their roster. And it's, it's a mix of upcoming youngsters and some veterans. So, like I said, you got Bogdan Bogdanovic, who was uh, heavily wanted by the Bucks, who we'll get onto um, during the summer. Uh, Clint Capella, John Collins, Chris Dunn. You've got Danilo Gallinari. You've got DeAndre Hunter. You've got Kevin Herter. You've got Cam Reddish. You've got Rondo. You've got Trey Young, obviously, goes without saying. Do neither of you perhaps see them getting that eighth seed, maybe? Look, Atlanta are everybody's kind of favourite little team this year because of all the signings. Um, and, I, and I get it. They are exciting. Look, you've got shooting in Bogdanovich and 
Gallinari, which you think Trey Young's going to have a lot of fun with. And um, Rondo, everyone's kind of just like, yeah, that's a perfect mentor for Trey Young. And I mean, I think he probably went there more for, you know, $15 million than, than to mentor Trey Young. But that's cool. Um, and then Chris Dunn's a nice little pickup just because of the problem that no one else can defend on that roster whatsoever. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> there doesn't seem anyone, if you work through it. Um, and then you've got, like, a Kevin Herter, who's nice. Uh, Cam Reddish has looked better in preseason than he did. DeAndre Hunter, nice. Okongu, we haven't really seen, but looks good from the draft. But they're all very, very young. And so you just wonder, like, don't forget, this ape seed isn't a normal ape seed. Like I said on on, on midweek, the play-in kind of changes everything. Yeah. Like you can't just kind of creep into a playoff spot anymore. You creep in and then you have to earn your right to stay there if you're in those positions of 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th. And I think that's where they might slip up a little bit in that they've got loads of exciting players, but so many of them are young. I just, I just don't really know how that's going to go. Add to the fact that no one can really defend. And I think... It's going to be like it was, like a lot of fun, maybe another five or six wins, maybe 10 wins, but I, I don't really see them becoming a winning team just yet. I think they need to find out who they're keeping and who they want to build on in terms of the young guys first. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you look at uh, all-star Trey Young and all for all intents and purposes, probably the worst defensive player in the league. Uh, if not worse, he's going to be in your top three to top five. So uh, as long as long as he's as long as he's out there, um, every opposition's got a chance. He'll give you thirty, but he's given up thirty. And don't forget, that's something he he don't know how that feels yet. You know mm. what I mean? Like he he don't. Okay, now people are going to look at Atlanta a little bit different. It's not going to be like, all right, cool, we show up. Right, yeah. Time. They're going to be on it now and try and stop Trey. And he's going to be thinking, what the fuck's going on? Why have I not got the space that I've just had for for you know how, what, how long what? in the league? On Trey Young's development, yesterday uh, they played the Grizzlies and he did get a tech, which I thought was hilarious because I can't remember what player it was, but he's literally like gripped him, pushed him, and then got all, all spicy with him as well. Oh, yeah, but, I saw it. I can't remember. Oh, what, he's got Trey's Brooks kind of come back. Him up. <laughs> yeah, I see that. What, Trey's got to come with a bit of edge, yeah? Yeah, okay. and then he's, he's going to get slapped by, by some big centre or something like, but yeah, Trey, Trey Young definitely needs to do a bit more on the defensive end, um, as does the whole unit. To be perfectly honest, but I do think I do think they'll 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 surprise people. I think I think they'll be better than than what maybe Yaz is saying they might be. Yeah, they'll they'll be an interesting one to watch because uh, yeah, like Yaz says, they've got some uh, decisions to make in terms of who they're giving contracts to and what the future of the Hawks will look like going forward. So uh, I'll take you to a team that I'm, to be quite honest with you, baffled by. Uh, maybe you two will be able to help me kind of clear the fog. Uh, the Detroit Pistons. No, no one can help clear the fog. No one can help clear the fog. Like, what, I don't know what they're doing. Like, do, you know, do you know, the, the maddest thing is, I actually am higher on them than a lot of people are. I think they're, they have a core of a good team. They've got five or six players I really, really like, right? Um, Blake Griffin's played in almost every preseason game, so he he's at least playable, which he hasn't been for time. Um, Derek Rose, okay, look, if you're looking to have Derek Rose as your first choice point guard now, maybe not the best thing. If you've got someone like Derek Rose saying, I'm going to be second choice and I'm just going to mentor the new guy coming through who some people in the draft love, 
that's a quality position to be in, right? Like yeah. as a franchise like Detroit, you're thinking, really? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, do that. Um, and then I think they've got other decent little players, like apart from Killian Hayes, who I've just mentioned. Um, I, I like um, Sadiq Bay, who they got in the gra- in the draft. Um, Jeremy Grant from Denver to have a bigger role is a nice little get for them. Sekou Dumbaya's looking okay as like a, as a young player. But then you look at what they've done in the offseason and they undo all of that good work by just mad decisions. They signed like four centres on, on freeze or big men at the very least. Lil Okafor, who uh, felt like a couple of years ago was kind of, we decided he doesn't fit this modern NBA, but you know, he's, he's still eating somehow. We'll just give him money anyway. Plumley, he's, he's a G League player for me, man. Like, oh, <laughs> he's, he's so bad, man. And, <laughs> and and then they got Plumley in, who I can't. Remember, I think they gave him like, Plumley. Look, okay, decent little NBA player. I'm not saying Plumley is awful, but you don't give man like Plumley when the going rate for centers is, even if they're young. Like we've just got title winning Tristan Thompson for nine million, who's 29. We've Three got years, Daniel Tice for five million. Three years, 24, man. That's a lot of money for someone who's what age, uh, Plumley? 33? Yeah, I don't know. The, the, yeah, they kind of, like you said, they kind of... He's 30, he's 30, but it's more like... like he's one like, of those 30s going on 33. He's, yeah. like, he's already missed he's the been around. Yeah, he's been around for uh, quite quite a while. Um, yeah, I'm, not, I'm really not sure exactly what they're trying to achieve. What what the murmurs that I, were, I was hearing the back end of last season was that uh, the kind of extended time off like had, had set Blake right and he was as they always love to say in the uh, like physically he was in the shape of his life so. everyone's in the best shape of their life every year I don't know yeah. how they do it like I'm a big Blake Griffin fan um I love how he's developed his game o- over the years and he's become a quite a gifted all-round basketballer so it would be nice to see I think a couple of years he made 13 didn't he um, so it would be, and he's been kind of linked to to teams like some of the challenges, t- challenging teams in um, in um, trade talks. So we'll we'll watch that closely. Jeremy Grant came off a of good playoffs, and obviously he's kind of he's gone for the money, understandably. Um, well, well, he's gone for the he's he he got offered the same money at Denver. Did he? He got the so that when he was leaving, they said, you know what? All right, cool. We'll give you the sixty over three years, sixty million over three years. Oh, did he? Because so, I thought. He's, he said he wanted a bigger role, but yeah, I, I was just—I thought and it was I, bullshit, and he just wanted. Nah, do you know what? <laughs> when you when you look at them, when you look at them, it makes sense that he would. Because I've just—I had it on earlier today, them against Washington. I've got more mm. to say on Washington, to be fair. But like you were seeing Jeremy Grant get it at the top of the key, couple little crossovers and a mid-range shot, and it's just like you weren't allowed to do that last year, were you, yeah, son? You, you know were, what? You were I, out I, in the corners. So had, so it, look, I, but then that's the thing. If he's your three and he's going to bring the ball up a little bit and. Then you wonder what your ceiling is, I guess. But but look, and then even with the center stuff, they had the 16th pick in the draft after having, I think they got uh, Hayes at seven. They moved up and they had 16th pick in the draft. And you're like, oh, there's a lot of decent players here. And then they picked another big man in Isaiah Stewart, who, cool, I thought he looks all right, but people had him as like a second rounder. So, yeah, I don't, it's a weird situation for them where they got. Older people on bigger contracts, some good young pieces that you wonder if they're going to have the right environment to do well. I'm baffled by Detroit. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, if, if, they're, if they're anywhere outside of, like, the bottom four, I'll be surprised. I think they're trash. Like, oh, wow. 
hot take, yeah? I know. Yeah, I was probably trying take. to be nice, you know, like, you know, <laughs> no, what, 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 nah, they're just shit. All right. Just shit. Oh, like, I, I want I want Jeremy Grant to, to replicate that form from the playoffs, but it's a long shot. Like I did I did have him as one of the players who I would I would hope would end up on the uh, most most improved shortlist, but there's a lot of talent out there and I don't know I don't know how it's gonna mesh with so much length on that team. It's gonna be mm. a very, very congested yeah, like, like we say, this this era is all about pace and space. So the first thing you're always gonna look at when you check out a team's roster is do do they have two or three like thirty seven percent and up three point shooters um consistently. So um yeah, we'll we'll see with Detroit, man. It could get ugly over there. Um Next up is the, the New York Knickerbockers. Um, surprised to see that they even finished this high uh, last season, to be honest. Quite quite impressed. Always <laughs> <laughs> considered. Um, so they brought in Alec Burke, Nerlens Noel, Austin Rivers, Amari Spellman, Jacob Evans, Alfred Payton, Theo Pinson. They drafted Obi Toppin, and they also got in Emmanuel quickly. Uh, Bobby Port is gone. Mo Harkless gone. Taj Gibson gone, Wayne Ellington and Kenny Wharton gone. Uh, also brought in defensive guru, uh, known player killer in uh, a certain Mr. Thibodeau. Um, what are we expecting from the Knicks this year? Uh, <laughs> what's the point? I don't understand. What's the plan? Like, like you got Tibbs there. He's gonna shout. He's gonna bellow, and he's gonna he's gonna make them playable. But he doesn't really like young guys in a roster that's majority young guys because they've struck out on every free agent in the mm. last how many years? Yeah. Like what? What's the point? They they took Barrett last year because he was just like greasing them up in the media, saying I only want to play in New York. He looks poor. I'm not having RJ Barrett at all. No. Um, their best player is Julius Randle. Like it's like, what? You, what's the plan here? I don't see any plan at all. Just vibes, man. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's a weird one for them because obviously Kevin Knox is one of their players that sort of doesn't get spoken about a lot but is quite productive for them at times. No, he's uh, shit as well, man. I'm not having you know Kevin what? Knox. I think a lot of these players, yeah, it's, I'm less not about having any of them. it's less about them and it's more about the Knicks. Like, the organisation's rotten from the top down, man. Like, the, <laughs> the, the, the choice of Tom Thibodeau, like you said, uh, yes, full of that young a young roster with players you're trying to develop. Tom Thibodeau's that coach who will play his best players 42, 43, 44 minutes a game in a regular season, grind them out, grind them out, and by the time they get to the playoffs, they've got nothing left. I watched like a half of them in the preseason. I can't pretend like I've given them mm. all the attention. And like, it was just like, there was, it was just weird. Like he's got them defending a bit, which, okay, cool. And you know, they beat the Cavs, well done. Um, but it was just, it was just like, there was no spacing. Everyone was kind of, no one's really got any ability on offense that I could see. Not really like Obi Toppin's being asked to kind of get the ball and, make things happen when he's he looks all right i'm sure he'll put up some points um like everyone kind of had him down as nba ready because he's older as a college guy and physically he is fantastic like he's athletic and he can run and dunk and jump and all that stuff but he's not really if they're going to rely on him having the ball in his hands too much it's going to be a problem there wasn't really much transition team though throughout all of this though you just see my man on the side a, 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 a transition away from a heart attack tibbs just screaming, screaming, and you—you you just think, how, like, 
this is the modern NBA. Like, if you're screaming from the side like that, how much? I, I just if I'm a player in any sport, I just look at him like, who is this man? Like, I can't have it. <laughs> and he got it. Just like I, I don't know. Like the Knicks are just bizarre. Um, just a weird, weird franchise. You still have probably the worst owner in the whole of the NBA. Um, their new point guard, Emmanuel, quickly. If you go back and look at the the uh, draft thread I did on Twitter, as it the live thread, he got picked like I think um, twenty mid twenties, twenty five, twenty four, twenty three. I had nothing on him because everyone had him going at the end of the second round, and he was one of the ones where I was just like, you know what, <laughs> I can't read about everyone. And then he went twenty five, and it was the one guy I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, can't can't say nothing. Apparently he's all right, but it's just again, it was just a very weird pick, like. Just a weird franchise, man. I don't know what I don't know what the plan is. Yeah, I think uh, that's enough said about the Knicks. Uh, next up, we've got the Chicago Bulls, Billy Donovan, Chicago Bulls. So, uh, how their year looked was uh, Garrett Temple in, Denzel Valentine in, Patrick Williams in, Marco Simonovic in, uh, Devin Dostin in, and obviously the aforementioned Chris Dunn out. Um, they brought in Billy Donovan, who's done really, really well at Oklahoma City. Don't know how much of that you're going to give to my man CP3, but regardless, he, he's done really well at Oklahoma and he he deserves an opportunity to manage one of the staple franchises in the, the NBA, I, I would say. Um, you look at the main players, you've got Levine, Kobe White, Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr. and Patrick Williams. They're all young. They're all 25 and under. So what he's got on his hands is a, a young team that needs to be developed and they need to be taught how to win. Um, what are we expecting from the Chicago Bulls and Billy Donovan next season? Do you know what? I, I, I put a bit of interest into this one because I was I was listening to him speak about what he's going to try and carve their identity into. And obviously, ball, ball movement, off the ball movement, all of that sort of team basketball and I think I think that's the best approach for them. I think one of the things that I'm looking for from Levine is to be to be the franchise player, but also not get sort of wrapped up in that whole ISO ISO bullshit that we're seeing from a lot of the other stars. Um, and I think in how highly do you rate him, Zach Levine? He's a bucket. He's a bucket from all three levels. Um, he plays hard. He's athletic. Like, he's a good player. I just think it's for him about making sure that the system around him functions so that so then it's not empty empty numbers for him all the time. Because he, he put up good numbers last season, but obviously it doesn't mean anything when your team is losing every single game. So um, for me, they are going to be relying on someone like Markin and really taking that next leap. Um, and guys like Kobe White sort of building on those moments that they had where they, they looked like proficient players that could contribute on, on, a, on, a, on a decent level in the NBA. So if, if one or two of their players just takes that develop, developmental leap, um, which Billy Donovan managed to squeeze out of OKC, I, I think they'll be a good team. Do you know what? I'm... If I think they're the ones that I'm changing my mind. I, I, it's mad like that we're even giving this much uh, <laughs> credence to the bottom of the East. But <laughs> but but this is why this is what I like about the bottom of the East this year is is it's, it's usually such a shit show. But every team, except for the Knicks, at least has things I'm interested in, right? And then you see Chicago, like I don't think you can underrate. I think you're bang on about Markinen needs to take a jump, like 
he was heralded as this mad, uniquely talented big man who could shoot and everything like that. Um, Levine, I like, but again, it's kind of just like it's, it's empty calories a little bit, putting up all these numbers on a team that are awful. But, bro, I don't think we can underestimate the significance of going from Jim Boylan to Billy Donovan as a coach. They've come into, like, competency and come away from just a circus. This guy was a circus. Mm. The players were having player-only meetings about how are we going to get shot at this guy. He was doing some mad old-school, like... You know, on that, you know, Coach Carter, like the NBA films and stuff like that, where people come in mad unrealistic and just be like, we're going to run a thousand suicides. That feels like what Jim Boylan was doing every day in practice. Like he, he watched every sports film ever and will come in and be like a bad parody of that. Now they've got Billy Donovan in who clearly is coming into like a situation where he wants to work with young players and, and develop. And they've got enough interesting ones like Kobe White, I wasn't massive on last year, but people like him and he shows flashes. He's like a little bit of a De'Aaron Fox. He's very quick and he can score. Um, maybe he doesn't see everything yet, but he's decent. And then you've got uh, Patrick Williams. Again, they kind of took him a bit high in the draft, but people liked him a lot. Kind of just a really physical, um, productive, kind of versatile big man. And I just don't, I don't know. They've got young pieces that, are enough to get me interested in. And like, you, like you've just read out, they weren't rock bottom last year with a disaster of a coach. So if you get yeah. some sort of competency in who has them solid and running some sort of transition and whatever, they're not touching the playoffs, but they'll at least maybe not be a total embarrassment, which, you know, good for them. Yeah, and it's, and it's Chicago. So um, even though the, the main players for next year's um, free agency are gone, if they do have that solid foundation you would look at them as one of the teams that can potentially pick up a, a, a good to very good player that's left and they can then make that, that next jump. Um, next up, we've got the Charlotte Hornets. Listen, man, we, we, we all been checking them out. We, we've been seeing the... We've been it's seeing Lamello it. season. <laughs> it's Lamello season. One, one thing I will say is if people keep referring to Lamello as mellow, I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah, that, no respect. Like, no respect for basketball heritage. No, man. Basketball well, Anthony has been, been one of the best scorers of all time for the duration of his career, and people were so quick to forget, man. Somebody, um, somebody like, when he got drafted, somebody tweeted something like, when somebody says mellow, who do you think of? And it was like a poll. And like people actually voted for Lamelo Anthony. Yeah, but you gotta understand it's like, it's like anything. Bro. But yeah, but hold on. Nah, if, people, if people are sixteen years old, that's what they will think of. Oh, yeah, but nah. nah them, they, them, them little guys need to do their googles, man. This is man. That was that's the most old man shouting from his lawn stuff I've ever heard from you. There's only one mellow, and I don't care what the kids say. Like, do you know what Lamelo? Yeah, it's mad. Everyone's seen a highlight of him every single game. I put them on the account because I love them. I'm a passer first guy. Like, I love seeing passes. So I love the highlights. But the guy is so weird with his scoring. He's so hot and cold. And he's had he's had a good scoring game. And he's had two disasters of a scoring game. Like, he's he's obviously a project, isn't it? Um, he's going to have games where he just looks awful. But you can't, like, there's no one else who really comes in a draft and can immediately just dominate a floor with with moments like that. And so that's what they got him for, right? It's like... He has the upside to wow you. He might, and then what? He's he, he's six eight, six good nine. Good size, great, good size, good athleticism. Yeah, he's man. Um, and he's also just got that 
feel for the game. You know, like yeah, you can't yeah. really quite quantify it, but you can just watch when a player just has that feel for the game. The jumper, though, ugly as hell. Ugly. Uh, <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's, like, he's like Beauty and the Beast, this guy, because you see him, yeah? It's not just the transition passes or whatever. Even just his little passes, they're just sexy, bruv. Like, just his little ones into the low post or something. I'm just like, oh, go on then, Melo. And then you see him shoot, and it's like he's never played. It's mud. It's, yeah. it's, it's ugly as hell. But then Charlotte in general, look, it's, it's not just him. If it was just him, it would be a shit show. Mm. <laughs> your, were, man, your man Gordon Haywood. Yeah. Um, he's, already <laughs> broke, he's already broken a finger, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. This guy. He's, he's a lucky cursed. man. Um, uh, they've kept Bismack Biombo. Uh, they brought in Nick Richards, Grant Rilla, Nate Darling. Uh, Dwayne Bacon and Willie Hernan Gomez have, have both left. Um, so yeah. They've what, got some decent little players, man. Like, you got... Uh, Devontae Graham's just come off an amazing season yeah. he, I, I, and this is what I think I think Lamelo's actually quite good for like guards like Rozier and uh, Graham where they can both get streaky and hot um, but you're not they, they don't strike me as like bona fide point guards who are going to run stuff yeah. they always they're, they're like little guys. shooting guards yeah. almost mm. um, and, and so if you have Lamelo with his size and his stature and his feel next to those two rotating I think that's quite a nice little backcourt balance. And then you've got Gordon Hayward, who, for all the jokes about him, was, I was just going to say, he was our second best player last season when he was healthy. Like, he was he was back to being a really, really productive basketballer. He's gone and got mad money for how injury-prone and, and his age. But in, he wanted, it's, it's a Jeremy Grant thing as well. He wanted to be a main man as opposed to um, fourth option, which he was because of the injuries and this, that and the other. But Gordon Hayward's a really good player. And then you've got uh, PJ Washington, who looked decent last year. Whenever I did watch them, uh, it wasn't a happy experience to watch them. Um, and then you've got some of the vets long-term, like Cody Zeller's decent as a centre for bottom of the East. Um, one of the Martin brothers, I always forget which one, but one of them looks decent. Um, there's a, the new Morrises, the, the twins um, at, at, uh, at Charlotte now. Um, was it Caleb and Cody Martin? Um, and yeah, like they're, they're okay, and I, I think I think it's, 11, yeah. I think it's I, I think it's a weird one because depending on how Lamelo and Haywood play, I don't think they're too far off a playing game. Mm. But it is depending on how those two play, like entirely. I want to ask you a lot about Malik Monk. Um, he came into the he came yeah yeah a name I ain't heard in years. So on your face there, side. Um, he came into the league with a lot of hype as a score at the college level. And, yeah, three seasons in, this is going to be his fourth. It really hasn't translated for him yet. Um, he, oh, he looked good to me. When, I, when I've seen the isolation, uh, I know it's only 10 points per game. He definitely seems like a player who is not living up to his talent ability. Does the, the, the introduction of a player who can get you easy, easy buckets in transition, can find you in space like uh, uh, Lamelo? Uh, a steady old head in Gordon Hayward. Does does that help people like him who probably we know we know what Charlotte Charlotte is like. It's one of the worst worst of franchises to play for, uh, mismanaged under the goat. Um, do we see anything happening with players like Malik Monk perhaps taking that step up to being a consistent maybe fifteen to twenty point per game scorer? Which again, like you say, yes, then takes them into that kind of playing playing spot that we're talking about. I think for them it could come from anywhere. And and it will be a it will be a case of them just figuring out a rotation. Mm. As uh, Yaz mentioned with their guards, 
Lamelo is like the most traditional of a bunch of unconventional point guards. So you sort of get into that territory where you're just going to have a back court and then a front court. And that's how they're going to line up. They're probably just going to be moving around a whole bunch and get a lot of transition buckets. So that does open up for guys like Malik Monk to maybe get open in a corner or just fill the lanes and get found by Lamelo, And that, that can translate to a big upswing in points at any given time. So it's, it's hard to say where exactly it will come from, but there's definitely going to be one or two guys who have quite a bit of a spike. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, and you mentioned them earlier, Yas, and here they are for you. Um, the Washington Wizards. Um, listen, they've got all eyes on them for various obvious reasons, but uh, I will go through their summer or autumn or winter, as I've said. Uh, Robin Lopez in. Uh, Raul Nato. Get to the name, get to the name, Mariah. Get to the man. <laughs> get to the man. Garrison Matthews, Denny Avadija, Cassius Winston. Anthony Gill, and the name that Yas is asking for is a certain Russell Westbrook. Uh, uh, they lost uh, John Wall. Um, what are we... Well, I mean, they, you say they lost John Wall. Oh, they haven't yeah. had John Wall for two years. So, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the thing with them. It's like, this is, the, this is the thing. Everyone's like, yo, who won the trade? Well, and I get it. it. It doesn't quite work like this because John Wall would have come back and rare, 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 rare. But... Mm. I don't even look at it as like wall or not. I look at it as what did they do last year with no point guard because John Wall was laid out of 40 million a year. And now they've just added Westbrook to that. Yeah, I know that's not entirely how it works, but that's how it would feel if I was a fan. Do you know what I mean? I get the logic. So they were 25 and 47 to so, uh, 34%, 35% of their game is won. Uh, off the bat, how many more wins does a Russell Westbrook give you? Uh, he definitely gives you regular season wins because it's because it's a condensed season as well. They just have to win what thirty five games, and then they'll be all right. Mm. Um, I think they reach that. I, I I definitely think they'll be above five hundred. It's extremely difficult in the East to to sort of picture where they don't pick up wins against like the Cavs or teams like that. So they'll definitely be above five hundred. I think their whole season is going to be. De- determined by what they do in the playoffs. Um, obviously, everyone knows I'm a bit of a sceptic of Russ's game, but I am happy. Really? Are he... you? <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, next to someone like Bradley Bill, I, I, I always felt like Wall and Bill were a little bit of an awkward pairing. Um, but with the jump that Bill has taken, if Russ plays his position, which I think is the biggest difficulty that he has. Okay, what does that look, what does that look like to you when you say plays his position? So the main thing for him is going to be to not disrupt the flow of the offense too much and more so facilitate for the for the other guys. If he is the, the flow, team, yeah, he is the flow. But this is a thing if he can if he can hold back the urge to basically just do everything by himself just have the ball in his hands at all time and move at 100 miles per hour, I think that'll be a proficient team. For me, the, the deciding factor is going to be, like in terms of perception of how their season has gone, is if they make it out the fucking first round. Because Russ, oh, but like, Russ this not is what I'm saying. Like, you look, this is what I said to uh, uh, Shaq the other Shaq, week, yeah. who was on a mad thing with hatred. <laughs> I was like, what can he, re- what can he do 
that would be seen as a success, right? That's and then on one, side, on one side, there's man like Shaq who say, win the NBA. Nah, and that's see, the only I'm, thing that I'm realistic. Say. I'm realistic. Right, of course it is. It's ridiculous. But like, I think people need to be real about this Wizards team, right? They were one of our first podcasts. Hot Take Hizzy was just crying, laughing about uh, the Wizards even it. being invited to the bubble. It was like, why, why are they even here? Like, they, they were dreadful. Yeah. But, but they had a good offense last year. They just couldn't defend. Now, I don't think that changes with Westbrook. And I don't think that really changes with anything that they've made. I think the two most exciting acquisitions they've made um, this year were Westbrook in the trade um, and getting Denny Ad, Ad, uh, Avdija. I don't know. Do you know what? Obviously, that's close. Free Palestine and that, but he, <laughs> he's a decent player. Um, he, I can't ever like be too high on him, you know, obviously reasons non-basketball, but um, he's good. <laughs> I think he, I think he's like an outside shot for rookie of the year. I think everyone was very worried about his jumper coming in. It's just preseason, but that hasn't looked too bad. He's actually had good shooting, shooting stats from behind the line. Um, but he's big. He's six nine. He can play make. There was a few nice defensive plays uh, last night that I saw in the first half, first three quarters. Um, I think he's really good, and I think he's like a little point forward where between him, Russ, and Beal. And then you've got shooters around like Thomas Bryant, who's one of the better shooting big men, Davis Bertans. I think they can make a lot happen with their offense. It just wasn't there last year. Like they had Isaiah Thomas, my guy, last year, but he he's he's past it and he's not a guy who's gonna be as much a threat as Westbrook, nowhere close, and he's not able to bring people into the game as much as Westbrook is. So I think they could do a lot, but going back to the Shaq thing and the first round expectations or whatever, like people I think just need to be real about what the Wizards have been for such a long time. Mm. And, oh, but that's, and, been, that's been a big symptom of, of having a decrepit roster, though. I hear that, so, but, like, look... I think you've, okay. you've, you've got I to look at, at guys like that... Hachimura. Hachimura had a decent season last year. Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to be playing next to a veteran in Russ who can but get also, you... also, si, I get that, but you're saying get out of the first round almost like it's... Uh, if they, if they don't get out of the first That's round... That's more so different for Russ. That's more for Russ than... Yeah, but bro, before. think about it. Who are they going to have in the first round if they yeah, win the play? Yeah, it's not like it's going to be the box. It's going to be the Nets. It's it depends. Be they might... They might for me, I don't I don't have them finishing in the 7th, 8th, or ninth spot. I have them finishing 4th or 5th. I, I think... Bruh! 4th is very, very likely. Bruh. I think it's Strong very take side. We've got a new... Man on the <laughs> I think it's very, very likely that they shoot up the rankings. The okay. last time they made the playoffs, they weren't they weren't at eighth seed, were they? No, they weren't. Pretty they sure weren't. they weren't no, no, no. at eighth seed. So no, you bring in a player that's that's been through the trenches, who puts up numbers, who gets you wins in the regular season, and you've got Bradley Bill who cracked our top twenty. So for me, I think they've two got top twenty two, two top twenty players actually. Precisely. So I think they've I think they've got the pieces that they need to make the fourth or the fifth seed in a Eastern Conference that is going to go through a lot of transition. Uh, we'll we'll get to them, but we've got teams like the Raptors who have lost key pieces. So I expect to see some drop off in in other areas of the East. And that, that gives sense, them a bro. that gives them. A, that. A, you know what it is? I think I think I heard it on another podcast. I can't remember where, but uh, I saw I saw the point made that they. They actually last year lost a lot of games, but they were very close games. And I went and just looked through the results, and they were always like 
four points, five points, two points, close because their offense was so good through Beal just having the best year of his life. Mm. Um, and so yeah, you add Russ to that, and you add and you had a good rookie to that, and I think they could be interesting. I think people are sleeping on them a lot. I think four maybe is high for me, but I don't disagree with you that I think the East will have some of the big boys fall off a little bit. Um, obviously your lads are coming back into the to the top four, top three, top two picture, mm. which will push everyone down. And I think we'll get to my lot in a minute. Um, and I just think some people like maybe stood pat a little bit like Indiana and not really progressed. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe, but I think, I think them getting to the playoffs is an achievement. The issue is obviously Bradley Beal. He's not got too long left. I think he's got, Someone might need to fact check this for me. Let me uh, see if I've got a plug in somewhere. Because he, he signed an extension, was it last season? And then everyone was like, why the hell is he signing an extension? Well, this is the thing. He's a little bit Yannis. <laughs> yeah, he's getting his bag, but he does seem to yeah, like contract it. contract expires in 23. Yeah, so it's two years. And obviously this will be the year before the last one. And if they're just going to flame out, then that's, that's a problem. So... They have enough pieces to make like trades mid-season as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did that because them keeping Bradley Bills just massive. Yeah, I think um, for me, for Russ, what I'm expecting is a kind of a CP3-esque year. So uh, in between, kind of, you said, yeah, you said they do well if they make the playoffs. So you said you're expecting a fourth or fifth seed. Somewhere in between that, like a sixth seed, I'd be like, okay, they've, they've done well. And then a plucky first round, uh, actually make whoever they play fight for it. So don't go out with a whimper. And I'll kind of be like, yeah, cool. Because remember, when Russ was trying to leave Houston, he didn't have any suitors. And people were like, he's got one of the worst contracts in the NBA. But then we've also seen 35-year-old CP3 have multiple suitors. So in terms of Russ's stock in the league right now, it's very low. He's, he's not rated. So if he's not generally rated, we can't then necessarily expect them to get out of the first round. But like we say, he puts up numbers and he's still an all-star level top 20 player. So the I'm other thing as well, like like you said, it's not just what he does, but the they're loving him over there. Like the roster are all coming out. And obviously a lot of people say this sort of stuff, but they're loving what he's brought to training, what he's brought to the building, what he's brought to the squad, which... For all of his thing about the CP3 comparison, and CP3 is probably more versatile and a smarter player. He can he can build around. You can put him into a lot more teams. Put it that way. Um, they both share the fact that if you add them to your organization, the standards are going to go up. Um, and so I think that would be really good for a lot of the younger players that Washington have. And um, yeah, they they seem to love him and the impact he's had there. So so boy, I, I, they're an interesting one, man. They're an interesting one. Yeah, definitely we'll be watching that one. Uh, the next team that we've got uh, in the eighth well, well, in the eighth position last year, uh, the Orlando Magic. Uh, pretty mere off-season, I'd say. Uh, they brought in Dwayne Bacon, retained James Ennis, retained Michael Carter-Williams, retained Gary Clark, uh, and they drafted Cole Anthony. Uh, lost, or they got rid of DJ Augustin and Wesley Owundu. Um, they've got no um, Jonathan Isaac this year. When they, got they, given a free, they got given a three million uh, disabled yeah. player extension. That's not getting you Jonathan Isaac level yeah. back, though. What's that 
have that, man. It's shit oh. when it happens to a rookie because he's just like, we can't give you more money, so yeah. um, or rookie contract, sorry. But exactly. yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say on these, man. I think they're they're, they're quite nice to watch. Um, they've still got players there in terms of Vucevic and uh, I think Cole yeah. Anthony's actually a really interesting. I yeah. tweeted about him on the yeah. account. Yeah, he, 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 he bro, yeah. look, he, he's another one where sometimes people come into the draft and they're, they're quality and then they just go to a situation in college or they have a bad year, which isn't great for them, and they just fall off. But he's looked really lively, man. And he came into the draft class, recruitment process, like when they go from high school to college, obviously as one of the most hotly tipped guys, North Carolina. Five-star five recruit. Bro, five-star. He was seen as like second in the country. He was seen as the best guard in the country. Definitely and North Carolina him. bent over backwards to get him. His highlight reels went viral. Um but yeah, he just was in a bit of a shit team where he was having to put up, kind of similar to um, Anthony Edwards, having to put up a lot of inefficient crap, basically, to make things happen. Mm. And I think that reflected pretty bad on him. Um, I think he's I think he look, he's looked really good in preseason. The only thing you'd say is he's, he, he's a little bit of overlap with Markel Fultz, um, who's started to just yeah, find I mean, his can, feet there. You can afford that, though, because Markel... Markel... <laughs> Might be nah, he's, he's done all he's trying to get. He's yeah, he's trying to get this place right. from this place, though, man. Yeah, I mean, he's like the most historical draft disaster the last five years. Well, Philly love it. Okafor and Fultz in the last five years as top three picks. But, um, mm. but uh, yeah, no, I, I think he's an interesting one. They still got, like, Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier. Like, they're, they're decent, but I just... Because they've stood pat. Um, they were only, what, seven... Uh, what were they, eight seed last year? Yeah, they were eight Bucks. seed. Yeah, they yeah, did yeah. take a game just, from the Bucks, though, which isn't hard to do, but it's one I, just, I, I could see I them. I could see them, them. see them losing out in the playing games, put it that way. I still think they'll be fine regular season, but I could, if they just come up against a Russ Beal combo um, mm. or something there, yeah, it's uh, a bit they're, too they're much a bit of a hard one to place, really. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I watched that series and, yeah, it was their game one that kind of gave me the blueprint. I mean, we discussed it in our first ever episode, but in their game one, it was that was like the confirmation for me, like, yeah, the Bucks is not going to, it's not going to be pretty for these uh, these men yeah. um, this, this season, to be honest with you. So, yeah, like you guys have said, they've kind of stood pat. Uh, I guess, yeah, seeing what Cole Anthony's made of and, and bringing him along, because they really do need that lead guard um, will, will be the big thing for them this season. Um and next, uh, they were seventh last year. Don't envision them being seventh this year. Uh, your your Brooklyn Nets side. So uh, in was Landry Shamet, Bruce Bowen, Jeff Green. You retained Joe Harris, and you got in Reggie Perry. Um Listen, what I'm going to say is Kevin Durant, and I'll let you take it from there. I was I was surprised. I've been surprised in the two games that he suited up for because. He looks like he trusts his body more so than any other player I've seen with an Achilles injury in the past, um, which for me is is a massive, massive boost, just not only to, to our play, but the dressing room as well. Um, listen, a lot gets spoken about the, the sort of off-court dynamics between Kyrie and everybody else, um, Durant and everybody else, but I genuinely don't think it's going to play as big of a factor as maybe a lot of other people have, have, have sort of uh, theorized based on the fact that so far in, in the two games, the rotations have sort of set themselves. We've had Dinwiddie lining up as a two guard, Levert leading the second unit, uh, Joe Harris playing small forward with 
Durant at the four. So basically, everybody is getting their lion's share of minutes. All of the guys that you expect to hit the court are getting extended minutes at times as well because we've been blowing teams out of water in preseason. Um, but yeah, for me, for me, the dynamics seem like they're they're in a good place, um, and I think that's 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 what will define whether or not we're in that top two or fall off a little bit and struggle uh, as the playoffs uh, come into fruition. Agreed, agreed. Um, your, roster, your roster's deep, man. Your roster's deep. Uh, like you said, I'm not expecting, with the condensed season, I'm not expecting KD or Kyrie to, to, to play um, even 90% of the games. I, I'm thinking closer to 80, 85, maybe um, be a comfortable top three seed and then you get ready for the playoffs. So yeah, there will be nights when you're looking at Dinwiddie and Levert to actually lead the team. So that should keep them content for this season. And, you know, people tend to be content when they're winning. Um, yes, obviously, you, you have previous with Kyrie. Yeah. Uh, and I, think, obviously... I, think he, I think he's cool. I think he's cool. I think he's got the perfect situation. He's got his, his best... I said it he's, on another thing. He's got his best mate. It's, it's always nice when, you know, your best mate is the best scorer in the NBA. That's mm. helpful. Um, like, <laughs> you know, um, but... He's got. He's at home. Family means a lot to him, I believe. Yeah, that was the whole. That was at the end of the day. I think he he really fucked his legacy with the Celtics in all of his conduct throughout the season, promising way too early that he'd resign, um, and then just changing his mind and just being really anti about it. He didn't lead well publicly, which didn't help when that was essentially one of the big reasons he wanted to move from Cleveland is get his own team. And then when it came time to really have his own team. It just, it just, there was, I won't go into it, but there was so many evidences of just doing that poorly. Um, but I think he's got his perfect situation. I think he's got a coach um, in Steve Nash. As much, like, as much as we kind of everyone has looked at it and thinking this is a mess, the coaching thing, Steve Nash is a Hall of Fame point guard who will have managed games from the court his whole life. So he'll, and, and he'll have that respect. And I think he does seem like he's going to, he's a cool guy, Steve Nash, like, he seems very switched on. He seems like a very emotionally intelligent guy. Um, so I think the man management side will be good. The other thing as well is like, if Mike D'Antoni had gone from Houston to Brooklyn this season, no one would say nothing. Like, mm. it would be like, okay, cool. Uh, then, you know, he's gone from, he's gone from one play, uh, conference final and well, the year before, and he's taken over Brooklyn. He's there, do you know what I mean? And I think from watching the timeouts in preseason, I think he's, he's almost there in the perfect kind of role in that Nash is very much there as the leader in the timeouts, but, and D'Antoni doesn't infringe on that, um, but clearly he'll be there in the film room. He'll be there in the team meetings. Day-to-day, day-to-day you know stuff. I mean? And this is the thing, it's like, it's like if, he, if he just joined as the coach, no one would say nothing. The other thing about the Nets is Dinwiddie, Levert, Joe Harris, Jarrett Allen, I don't know who you want to put at a four, um, throw flipping... Prince there or throw in Landry Shamit as another guard if you want to go small. That's a playoff team in the East anyway. So then you add Durant and Kyrie to it and, and you're flying. The only thing I will say, obviously them being there on longer term deals is cool. The Nets not winning the East, I don't know how this has gone unmentioned. The Nets not winning the East this year will be as 
poor a return for me as the Clippers not winning the West last year. And I don't know why that's not been said at all. Well, probably because you, you don't have Pep Bev on Instagram chatting shit, but it's, they're as stacked, they're as deep, they're as talented. Do you know, do you know what? Go on, Sai, you, you say your thoughts now, say man. I don't think we need, we don't need the first seed. We just need to be... No, 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 I mean, I mean come out of the East, sorry. Not, oh, not oh, come oh, first, oh. yeah. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. That, it's that, bare, that, that's that bare minimum fair. expectation. Bare minimum. It will be fair if if it if the component of the injury wasn't such a big one. All it all it takes is for a little bit of a twinge from KD, and that can derive. Bro, this guy is blowing by Jalen Brown. He's all right. He's fine. Kevin, honestly, every time I see him put his head down, I skip because that's the Achilles. That's how it pops. That's how it popped. But also, it popped also like if, if if there is something like, look, the guy is seven foot can score from anywhere. He's gonna put like you said. He's you said so he's gonna probably play a bit higher. Not he's not gonna be running the whole court and stuff. Probably he's the best player in the East, even if he's not as mobile. Of course, it's just of course. so. Do you know what I mean? Like the minimum, like it, it, it should have the same level of expectancy as the Clippers for me. I mean, I'm 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 confident in terms of when I when I look at this lineup, and I I, I think when we first when I first started to get on, I did say like. I look at the Nets' depth as like an offensive version of what the Clippers had in terms of you do have two top 15 guys, give or take with Kyrie, who can just go off at any time and can pretty much slot into any type of system. I don't know if everyone's tuned into uh, to the Brooklyn games or even saw what Kyrie did in the 20 games that he played or early at the Celtics. He's a very, very good off-ball guard. He's a very good off-ball guard. And that flies under the radar so much because of the handle, because of the ability to drive and get buckets at the rim. But this guy has shown over the last few years, especially, that when, when you need somebody to just get open, he can be that guy. And that, that adds such a dynamic to our offense and the, the sort of squad depth that we'll, we'll be able to, to sort of navigate through the playoffs playing a bunch of different lineups. You've got the big lineups with Allen and DeAndre. You've got the small ones with KD at the four. Like, the possibilities are endless. And all it's going to be is, over the season, just figuring out what components work together in what situation. And I, I genuinely do believe we can make it out the East and be competitive. That's, that's big of you, mate. That's a big claim. That's big of you. <laughs> But yeah, no, I do. I, we we've got to be favourites for the East, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, we'll be, we'll be watching that very closely. Um, next up, our sixth seed from last year, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Another another busy team. I mean, when we were talking about them, um, the other side of um, the NBA Finals, it was very much where they're going. Franchise is a mess. They've got horrible contracts. The fit of players doesn't quite work. But it seems like Daryl Morey's turned uh-huh. it around. It seems like How's he come in and just got rid of that Horford contract like it was nothing? Oh, it's I was reading the article and it was like, if he can manage to get rid of that contract, he's done his job. And he like, got rid of it in like three weeks. In, like, in no so... time at all. He, he just set up his office, got on the phone and it was done. What a bastard. I think I think I think if, if it wasn't for Brooklyn, I'd be really, really uh, high on Philadelphia this year, um, which I was last year, and that didn't go so well. I thought they'd win these last year. Brett Brown made sure that didn't happen. It's mm. another 
Washington level example of they're just their coaching change is just like all right welcome to competency welcome to not being useless like you'd watch them last year we swept them without even trying okay they were missing Simmons but they they were they were a mess they didn't know what they were doing I, I, I don't think Doc Rivers is going to overcomplicate stuff um but they haven't really lost much defensively in terms of Simmons and Embiid you throw you throw some players around that like okay look he looked awful in the playoffs last year but if they can get Danny Green back doing something Danny Green is a good defender um add that to Simmons and Embiid Dwight Howard is a nice little get for them to give Embiid a rest um and then they've just got more shoot. Tobias Harris is not a bad defender as well, by the way. I know we all clown him for the contract. It's a ridiculous he's a, contract. He's a, solid, he's a solid all-round player. I just think yeah. it's, the it's contract just, it's just too much, makes... It's and I think doing that contract at the same time as Butler, as we've said a lot, it just, you know, it's just shit. But then you've got shooting everywhere, which isn't something they ever really utilised last year. Steph Curry, Dallas yesterday, uh, yesterday last season, him and Doncic were automatic. When Doncic drove, kicked, found him, he was raining threes. You tell me Ben Simmons can't do the same thing. Cork mm. Mars is a decent little player. Shake Milton's got a lot of uh, minutes this preseason and he's looked solid. Tyrese Maxey is, he wasn't in my like top three or whatever, but he was one in the draft that I really wouldn't have been mad if we'd taken at 14. Tyrese Maxey looks decent. Um, his shooting in college was, it was all right, but he'd make big plays and, and everyone kind of expects his shooting to just improve. But he's sick, bro. In all these preseason games, He's just been playing de facto point guard when Simmons ain't been there. And he's he's really hard to stop going to the rim. He comes in, he runs, he's got runners, floaters, nice finishes, good from the free throw. Like, like he's, he's decent. Um, I think they're really, really well balanced just by swapping out Crawford for Green and Curry as just a bit of a better shooter than Richardson. Um, and then... You got Ferguson too. So they brought. Then you got the Harden thing question, which Maury came out and said, "No, no, 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 we're not trading him. We're not trading him." But Maury chat shit. So if Harden comes in for Ben Simmons, I think they become not favourites. I still think Brooklyn are too deep, but they that's like the Eastern Conference Finals almost certified, you know, because he's just got. Ridiculous I've got player. a feeling that they'll be very, very good in the regular season, and then they'll they'll do a Doc Rivers special in the playoffs. I mean, to be fair, that's a Philadelphia special as much as anything as well. So it's uh, they're a match made in heaven for that. But I don't know, man. I think they'll. I'm I'm concerned about them to be honest. I think they're I think they're going to look decent. Um, and they got good young players as well. Like even if they were to get Harden in, they could get rid of two or three young pieces with Simmons for argument's sake, like a. Thibault or a Milton or an Isaiah Joe or Korkmaz or Maxi and they'd still have two young players who are really really strong left over like they're, they're, they've got a lot of talent that could land makes Philly are good really really good and um, the only thing that will stop them from being a threat at least to Brooklyn is themselves and just fucking it up yeah again another player that I've heard a bit about in the offseason um, Joel Embiid apparently is best shape of it. They're always in the best yeah. shape of their life. I mean, I mean, he's best. not going to be eating burgers before games anymore. Burgers <laughs> and family, so he, he, he got his own chef, uh, which is a step in the right direction. Yeah. Wait, I, I rinse Embiid all the time, and I do it just because 
bruv, every time I go into playoff battles with Philadelphia as a Celtics fan, I'm meant to be terrified of this guy. And he gets his points. And but in terms of like really leading a franchise, you're just like, what is this, man? Like this guy should be most dominant five players in the league every year, but he's just not, he just doesn't allow himself to be. And so if Doc Rivers, because again, like Doc Rivers is the other thing. Okay, yeah, we laugh at the free ones and, and he, ha- he he has had a history of playoff uh, hiccups and stuff like that, but he's a good man manager. Um, he's a good players coach. Like players do respond to him. That Clippers team that he, he developed the kind of identity of before the Kawhi stuff of being really gritty, getting the best out of Tobias Harris, I might add. Um, I, I, I'm just interested if he can get more out of Embiid. Um, than Brett Brown because again Brett Brown was so tied into the whole process stuff mm. that he just seemed to like let let him be then everyone just run riot a little bit and he didn't ever really seem to have any control of that roster it was, it was almost like a, a older uncle vibe I never really was impressed by it the spotlight's going to be on Doc for me anyway uh, because obviously all of these reports in how Kawhi and George were manoeuvring uh, as part of the the Clippers. Executive team, yeah, like they just yeah, get, got given that free reign. I know he doesn't. He doesn't like tra- um, training too much. Like his players, he's not heavy on the kind of like training every single day sort of stuff. And he played, isn't he? He had a long career in the NBA, so he's always like we, we hate to say it, but he's seen as a player's coach. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes there. La- because- last word on Doc. Can you imagine how much freeing and nicer it must be to go from? Coaching a man who done your daughter dirty to your son-in-law. Oh, <laughs> mate, what a nicer vibe that is. You just don't date NBA. Your dad's a coach in the NBA. Your bros are coaching the NBA. I know it's hard not to, but, you know, don't don't have them in these positions. But anyway, we digress. and We'll move on to uh, top five team in the East, uh, NBA finalists, the Miami Heat. Uh, big, big fan of theirs that you are, yes. Uh, just a quick look at what they did in the off-season. Uh, yeah, they've, they've, they've done well, mate. Like, yeah, they, no um, Goran Dragic, they kept big contracts, some would say, but he, he, he was very much missing. The but they, I think uh, the second year, that's a team option, I believe. I so so um, they, uh, that, was, that was a good one um, in terms of not rocking the boat with continuity and whatever. The only real, like, yeah, like you said, the, the only real... Um, loss they have in the offseason was Crowder mm. but to be honest I think um, I think Precious Achua is a decent little raw option just for 10 minutes a night and just be a bully out there Avery Bradley again is a good defensive option at guard um, uh, he's a it, great defensive option he's, he's one of yeah the best he is but I just, you just as he gets on I just wonder how, how lock on he'll be year on year you know um, before his injury he was he was like the best in terms of numbers he's the best guard at guard in the three so if it, I, I think that's a big on ball is class and, and it fits with Miami doesn't it this yeah. is the other thing it really fits and then Mo, um, Mo Harkless Maurice Harkless has looked good for them in preseason as well so they've lost um, Crowder and I was a bit like oh, would that be a big miss but I think in terms of precious and Harkless, and then, like you said, uh, Avery Bradley being able to guard up a spot, I think they're still rock solid. Derek Jones Jr., they lost, but he was only a a bench piece anyway. Um, You expect Hero and Robinson to get a little bit better. Butler is going to just be the quality leader and and player that he is. In saying that, in saying that, um, it wouldn't surprise me if they just don't, 
do as well. Like I think last season just was teams just have these special seasons. Like I think they're a really good roster. I really Spolstra has proved himself. I think this past season is probably the best coach in the NBA relative to the achievement and the talent um, at his disposal. And I, I, but at the same time, see teams in all sports, they just have these magic years, mm. which, which is the intangible stuff. Like, like a lot of people have said the bubble was perfect for Miami because they train like they're in a bubble all the time anyway, because it's a military group. Like, so it'll be interesting. I, I don't see them as finalists again, because I just don't, um, I just don't see them having the talent of, of uh, a Brooklyn, I mean, NBA finalists. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting. But they should be like looking to at least do what they did last year because they haven't lost anyone. But I just don't know. I have a funny feeling that it, they just I won't. Do, I do I think have... like that, crowd of, that crowd of loss, I think you're underplaying it a little bit. I don't think Harkless is the same calibre personally. Um, I, they'll, they'll suffer a little bit, but I don't know how much bearing it will have in the in a regular season. I think playoffs is where that's going to come to be a little bit more of a problem just yeah, I hear that. Rocky I mean, he was he was the guy they trusted most of all to guard Yanis, like in that series and stuff. Right. So, um, one, of the, one of the better sort yeah. of uh, small small forward, power forward hybrids. I go up, league. I go up and down on it. To be honest, at first I was like, that's a big loss, but then I just think Spolstra will find a way around it. But yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one. I think you're right in that we won't know what a loss it is until the playoffs, especially considering he only joined late anyway. Yeah. Um, but we won't know what a loss it is until the playoffs, but, um, but we'll, yeah. see. we'll see. I think for them, it'll, it'll just be more courtesy of uh, teams around them getting better as well. It was kind of the perfect storm for them last year. Um, so, yeah, I think second round, tough exit maybe. If, if things drop in the right way, they make the Eastern Conference Finals again. But um, for them, I think they very much had their eyes set on trying to grab Janis in free agency. And obviously, that, that option's gone. Janis has shut all, all of that talk down. So yeah, it's well, there's the Harden question for Miami as well. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't know if they want to give up Tyler Hero for that. Um, That's such a mad sentence. That, we don't. Like, we don't um, such a ma- and, and it's not just you saying it. It's such yeah, a mad sentence. I don't, I don't, it's not. It's less about the ability. It's just. It's the, the culture. It's, it's culture, the culture right? fit, and it's how many years you're you're, you're giving up. Uh, for, Anybody for that can make Harden buy in, it's going to be Jimmy Butler in the strip clubs. Of well, Miami. Jimmy and Jimmy and Harden seem close as well. Like they're. And I'll say it again, I'll say it again. If Harden is demanding a trade out of Houston and he's happy to go somewhere like Miami, I'm telling you that that means he is admitting that the Harden ball stuff doesn't work. See, oh, like, you have to, you have to. So, so what, like, I don't know, obviously it's Harden, but I'm, all we've known is this guy just living in his own fucking orbit in Houston for how long? But I, I think it would... <sighs> Someone just needs to sit him down and just be like, bro, this would be the best thing for you. Just go in, bang with Bam and Jimmy, have some good pieces around you. Tyler Hero, I really like. As, as Reems is now annoyed of me saying, I really wanted him in last year's draft. Danny Ainge really wanted him in last year's draft. Such a good shooter, great personality. It's James fucking Harden. Like, can we stop with the... Yeah, you get rid of him in a half. You know what I mean? There, if you win a title with James Harden in the next two years or longer if he extends, no one's going to care that Tyler Hero snarling in fucking Houston, like they don't care. So Do I'm not. I, I just don't. I, I I just wouldn't, man. I know how good James Harden is, but I don't think there's a there's no coincidence. The fact that 
everyone who's kind of gone to Houston as his number two has ended up leaving. And I don't know if I want to... I agree, but then... I think they're not going to Houston. This is exactly it. They're not going to Harden World. He's coming there. Do you know what I mean? It has to be different. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. He, he's he's had he's had his way for what the best part of a decade at, at this point. How does he how does he fit in with a franchise that doesn't pander to you? How does he fit in with everybody telling you that you actually have to show up every single day and do like you set like you set your tone? You know what I mean. So Ross could have been the guy to win. Ross could have been the guy Ross could have been the guy in Houston, but. I guarantee you Houston isn't running the same way if Russ is that guy. That the Houston are a reflection of Harden. Right, we yeah, do know what, so I, 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 I agree with that. But what, what you have to also look at is he had he had a GM and a coach who pandered to everything that he wanted. So yeah, they brought in Westbrook, who's supposed to be this spiritual leader and shit like that. But what they did was they compromised their play and just doubled down on the fact that they weren't going to line up with a center, put mm. a six-five small forward at centre and hope for the best. Mm. And yeah, it worked in the regular season. Everyone got their numbers. Everyone ate. But in the playoffs, they were just outmatched every single step of the way. So for me, putting Harden in, in, in a situation where, yeah, he can still have the sort of glitz and the glamour that he feasts off of while having the basketball culture of, okay, cool. All these guys are going to move off the board. They're not going to stand waiting for you to give it to them. I think it's a good dynamic, personally, especially with yeah. Jimmy Butler, who you're buying in. Yeah. Ultimately, when 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 it comes to those clutch moments, you don't have to rely on James Harden. Mm. Just delegate to Butler. Listen, all they need to do, yeah, man. this is what they got to do, yeah. Have him like move in with Jimmy or something. <laughs> right? Like, remember back in the day at Newcastle when Andy Carroll had to move in with Kevin Nolan just so he stopped fucking about. Do that, <laughs> right? Have him move in with Harden. Give him like give him like four nights a month because Miami's Miami's popping right so give him four nights a month where you're just like listen go out those four nights and do just go mad like just have the night of your life and then come in and start running laps again like with Pat Riley and where just just make it work bruv because they will win a championship in the next two years if you if you get someone like Harden to buy you so if 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 they can get Spolstra, Harden, Butler, maximizing all of their their abilities together. And bam, yeah. That's and bam, that's unreal. Like obviously, the question is, how likely is that? We know that, but uh, mate, if they were to get Harden, and don't get you say about timing and stuff, they've got Bam locked up, so you're going to be able to build around a really modern big man there who I love. Um, yeah, you'll lose pieces for Harden, but they're good at identifying late draft picks anyway Jimmy's 31 Harden's 31 so you're making the most of Jimmy's prime as well and to be fair um I think Spolster even had a quote recently where he's like no we owe it to um we owe it to Butler to win now yeah cool um and the next team we've got is the Indiana Pacers another kind of it's the Pacers, isn't it? They just never go away, bro. This will be they the year they're gone, man. They're gone. They get in the playoffs. They get slapped. They go home. Then they shut. Oh, mate, they're dry. I, and 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 I feel bad because I really like Sabonis. I want him somewhere that I'm actually going to watch every week. They've got good players. They've got a holiday or two. Uh, they got uh, 
Oladipo in a contract year. Oladipo wants out so badly. But he's in a contract year, isn't he? So he's going to have to show up. He's going to have to show up. Another team and all sorts of stinging in their ears. Can I join you? Nah, he's got to. He's got to show up though. He's got to show up because he's. He wants to get paid. People aren't high on him at all. Um, Except one person in the cast. I tell you what, look, Indiana, they'll finish in the playoffs and they won't get past the first round. Next. Yeah, that's that's pretty next. much the, 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 the summary. Right. Um, next is your boys, your, your, your Boston Celtics, yes. Um, yeah, you, you, you tell us, Governor. Uh, I think we're fucked, to be honest. <laughs> um, I do, and I, and I, I, yeah, I'm not, I, I think we, I think. We're not going to finish in the play-in, but I think we could be sixth, seventh seed quite easily. Um, I'm still cool with us in the playoffs, right? Like, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying we're done, done. Um, we still have the five that got us to the Eastern Conference Finals um, and and threw away the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, we were 20 points up in two games early on and fucked it. Like, yeah, we still have our core five of Smart, Brown, Tatum, Kemba Tice, which are a really good five. They they don't sound too worried about Kemba's knee. It sounds like more of a load management thing than a is going to get worse every single year thing. But obviously that could just be PR spin to keep his trade value up and to just not have fans crying. Um, I'm scared about the knee just because all the guy relies on is burst. Not all, obviously he can shoot, he can dribble, he can pass a little bit, but he relies on burst. He's on step backs, get into the rim, blow bys. Um, so if, if he is inhibited, it's a problem. I don't think he was a disaster in the playoffs in that his, uh, his numbers were good and he had a few really big moments. But he's, he's a sieve. He's a sieve. Like, even if he is fully fit, it's a problem. And so, and I said it when we signed him, like, who's he guarding? Like, literally, there's... So that's an issue, but we'll get, we're a long way before that. Our depth is horrible. Our depth is horrible. Like I just said, we've got our first five. Love it. Then we've got Tristan Thompson in. Um, great second choice centre. First choice, depending on matchups. Um, has already kind of brought a good energy in and veteran presence. Like I think that's a great little pickup. Our second choice point guard is Jeff T, who hasn't been good for at least three years. Um, our third choice point guard is a rookie that we picked at 26 and every draft person dropped their laptop and was like, what? Um, he looks all right, but he's not athletic. He's an older college guy, Peyton Pritchard. He looks okay, but our drafting over the last few years has been a real mess for me. Um, obviously, we could have got higher picks in Memphis and Sacramento and everything like that. Like I've said, I've talked on that previously, but we just haven't drafted well. Um, we have three... We have four point guards who are shorter than me. We're an NBA team. Get a grip, lads. You're a tall lad, though. I'm 6'2", but I, I'm not <laughs> NBA. <laughs> like, I'm not NBA. You're NBA ready. We got a lot of just wasted roster spots. Like the, the, that, for, for all the chat about Danny Ainge um, being disloyal and cold-hearted and rah, 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 I'll go the complete other way. Um, everyone focuses on the Isaiah Thomas thing, which was the correct business decision to make and sporting decision to make. I think he's actually way too loyal to um, draft picks and players. Um, like there's there's at least three players who have just no business on our roster. Carson Edwards, Semi Ojale, um, 
they got no business on our roster. And then our two-way guys, you're not going to see all season. Um, so, yeah, I think our depth is just going to kill us. And I think for that, we're just going to drop down in the regular season. I think the first two months are going to be ugly. I don't think Tatum and Brown are quite ready for what they need to do without Haywood and without Kemba for long stretches. They're, they're, not, that, they're not those guys yet to playmake and bring others in. And then even if they are playmaking and bring others in, who the fuck are they bringing in? Like, Marcus, our roster's our, our crap. Like, it's <laughs> dead. So, we're good. We're good for playoffs. But regular season, right, I think it's going to get very, very ugly. I think you guys will be right. I think... I think. Well, it de- I can, this is the I thing. It, see- it depends what you mean all right. All right. So, I can, I can foresee a, a Wizards-Celtics first round. Well, this is the thing, and then that's fine. But like we're beyond, we're, we've made the Eastern Conference Finals three years out of the last four. So if we're getting to the second round and being bounced, it's not progress, is it? This is I a problem. It's not progress, but but obviously in a in a down year, in a year where you've lost Hayward, you've lost the sort of depth overall. I think you've got to take it and you've got to say to yourself, okay, cool. This might be the year that the struggle and the strife of sort of struggling a bit. Yeah, which is something that Tatum and Brown haven't really had to do too tough. They were they were drafted into a good situation. Well, I mean, the only like you yeah. said, the only the only time that they have had that real adversity of right, we've got to step up here was 2018 without Kyrie, without Hayward, exactly. and, and they, they did, and they made big right. leaps. But um, we've got to have that happen again, otherwise, I think we're in trouble. I think the only thing that will be saving us a little bit is Toronto not having improved, Indiana not having improved. Um, but I, I see us as like a sixth, seventh seed, and then it's just a case of do we use our trade exception, bring someone in um, for Hayward, and um, is Kemba fit? But it's just frustrating. I said it on the off-season autopsy for us. I just felt like it was going to be a missed opportunity last year. The Heat were beatable um, for us 100%. It was a really tight series. Credit to them. They closed it out, but they were beatable. And to be honest, like... You say that we wouldn't beat the Lakers. Yeah, maybe not. But uh, Hayward would have been back healthy. Kemba could have had a bit of rest. And it's finals, isn't it? So um, I do feel like last year was a bit of a missed opportunity. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a funny one for us. But I think the first two months are going to be ugly. <laughs> ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good luck. Um, good luck with all that, yeah? Um... <laughs> this is why you don't pick a team, Mariah. This is why you stay in your neutral thing so you can just not be hurt. Take shots, live life. I'm um, gonna find you a team, my guy. You know, I can try, man. Um, <laughs> I got second place last year, uh, Toronto Raptors. Um, there, you just mentioned them, yes, and Sai. I'd like to, to hear your thoughts about the Raptors. They've they've lost uh, two big pieces in Sergio Bakker and Mark Gasol. Obviously, they've tied down uh, Fred Van Vliet. We've got Aaron Baines has also come in, uh, retained Chris Boucher. What are we expecting from them? They kind of, yeah, they, no, I wouldn't quite say went out in flames last year, but. No, what, what are they in flames? They took us to seven games. Yeah, I wouldn't quite say, but I think. It was the tightest was, series in the whole playoffs. Yeah, but I think they, they kind of went out. You're rude. So they go out in flames because they lost to us. You're actually. No, no, cause you went out, not because they lost to you lot, but it just kind of felt a bit flat almost. I don't know. Maybe Look, they, just, just, they just come off winning the title. Maybe I you know what I mean? Maybe I they just they just come yeah. off winning winning the championship and they lost Kawhi and what what do you what do you do? I think for them to get second seed and push us all the way last year is the same thing that's gonna save them this year in that they have an amazing coach. 
um, who just extracts the most out of everyone. Um, OG Ananobi, I feel like, could have a really good year. He He's one of those ones like a like a, a, a Brown and a Tatum, who I think he was given a big role last year in the playoffs and grew within it. I think OG Ananobi was really good against us. Um, their depth's okay. Like they, they got a lot of pieces that people won't even know, but Nick Nurse just makes it work like Norman Powell. Um, they got uh, Chris Boucher. I really like Chris Boucher, by the way. I think he's really underrated. Aaron Baines is another underrated player who I think will do really, really well for Nick Nurse. Siakam is a loss. Gasol, I don't see as that much of a loss because he was atrocious. Yeah, he's against... yeah, yeah he's getting, he was getting on. Um, Ibaka's a big loss. But Chris Boucher's relatively young player. Hopefully he can step up in his absence. Van Vliet, I think, look, there, were, there wasn't a big market for Van Vliet. Come Van on, Vliet man. is a they, fun they, player. They overpaid. They overpaid. Yeah. Van Vliet is a fun player, good guy. But I, don't, I think if they had a better option, I don't think they were particularly intending on bringing him back um, at the rate they did. And I think they kind of just looked around and thought, fuck it, we might as well. And then the other one, and this is the problem for them, if you look at their title winning season, it was like, it doesn't matter if Kawhi leaves as long as Siakam takes a leap. Siakam took a step back for me last year. He was, Jalen Brown locked him up and he, he looked like Booker T. All he was doing was spinning. Like he had one move and he wasn't <laughs> doing nothing for him. Um, he's going to have to really show something this year. Um I think, yeah, I mean, he was second team all NBA last year. Like, Siakam's a good player, but he's, he's what, he's, how old now? He's like 26, 20, 27. Like, he's a late bloomer, but he's your franchise player now, essentially. Um, so I think he's going to have to have to really show off something different, whether it be a bit of playmaking or more varied finishing or something, um, which he may do because he's another one. He, he improves uh, year on year, but. I think they'll stay in and around where they were. Maybe not second seed. They'll be third or fourth just because their coaching will sort them out. But playoff series, I just, I just don't know if they have the talent to go very far against Philadelphia, Miami, Boston, and Brooklyn. To be honest, as as, as good as the coaching is. So mm. I've I've got them closer to the sixth seed. I can't lie. Um, anything between four, five, and six is is about where I expect because um, I think those three places will be quite tight. I just, I just don't think they have enough to to counter a lot of the other teams at the top of the um, of the East. If you think about like the matchups against, say, Washington, who's 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 guarding them, man? Who's guarding? Yeah, them? but on the on the flip on the flip side for Washington, no one's guarding you either. So it's just you go, we go. I get that, but that we go, you go, we go type of thing works when you've got a thirty point per game guy. Yeah, I hate you. Can put up a triple double every night, so. Again, it's 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 always difficult to write off the Raptors, but with Ibaka leaving, like he he for me is is one of those glue guys in in the NBA who could slot into pretty much any team and instantly make you better, um, either as a second unit guy or as a starter. So I think that's a massive loss. As you said, Siakam is going to have to take a massive leap and actually be consistent in order for them to. Do you know what? Exceed expectations. He's consistent, but it's, it's next level stuff, isn't it? Like he needs to now be just better. He needs to be the first option. Precisely. By, yeah. by consistent, I mean consistently look like the franchise guy. I think you get glimpses of it over the course of a season. He can go off at any given time. He's 
a very very good defensive player as well so you you sort of you you're always in a game when he's on the court but they're they're going to struggle for scoring for me Mm, that was a that was a problem last season, and they got less pieces. I think you're not being a bit harsh on my man Fred Van Vliet, but we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I can't really disagree with you guys. This yeah, is the thing, though. Fred Van Vliet, they've signed him, locked him up for how much? Uh, four years, eighty-five. That's your starting point guard on a championship team, and he's and he's just not, is he? Like this is this is the thing. Uh, I no, think, he, I think... he, he did his thing, and he did his thing in the championship win. Yeah, but he was a sixth man, pretty much. He was coming off and flaring it up while Kawhi Siakam and Lowry were, were doing it. It's, it's a new level of responsibility for him that I just don't... If I'm honest, Masai usually knows what he's doing. Like, I think he... I don't think Van Vliet finishes that contract in Toronto, to be honest. I think it's tradable and rewarding him um, without putting him in the out-of-reach market like a John Wall, Russell Westbrook proved to be where they're so hard to move. I think if he just has an amazing year... All right, cool. What can we get for him, personally? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Siakam, I, I'm expecting to come back a bit better just because, like you said, he always does. Uh, he didn't really... Yeah, he went out quite embarrassingly at, at the end of the day. Um, and he's on that big contract. So, yeah, he, I don't think he's ever going to be like... Say a, what you really feel, Morale. Say what you really feel. I don't think he's going to be a top, top all-star. But, yeah, I think he'll make a, a, a jump and he'll, he'll improve somewhat on his play, his play of last season. So, yeah... Playoff team, solid. Whoever gets there, there'll be a tough out for them. Um, but ultimately, they, they won't have enough. Um, and our number one seed, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. So, obviously, the main thing that was on everybody's mind was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, he signed a contract five years to the tune of $228 million. Uh, I water in sums, if you ask me. Uh, they brought in Drew Holiday, DJ Augustin, Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, Tory Craig. Kept Pat Connaughton, quite embarrassingly, Jordan Nawara and Sam Merrill. Uh, they've lost Robert Lopez, Ilyasova, Wesley Matthews, who's the big one, Sterling Brown, Frank Mason, Marvin Williams retired. Um, what are we expecting from them? Obviously, now they've got the albatross out of the way. Giannis has, compete, uh, uh, has um, stayed with them. He's, he's made that commitment. Uh, they brought in Drew Holiday, all-star level point guard. They wanted Bogdanovich, didn't quite get that done. Uh, personally speaking, I think that was a big, big loss for them. I think getting him in, I think getting him in would have been the the piece, um, but they didn't. So, so what are we expecting from them? Uh, for me, it's more of the same. I think I think the the Giannis news I'm conflicted on. Like young man get paid every day of the week, but they're gonna need to figure out a way to get him some like certified help, otherwise they're just always going to be a disappointment. I don't think his game is refined enough. I don't think his IQ is high enough. I don't think the pieces around him are good enough for him to continue in the way that he's going and expect a different result, especially especially with Budenhauser at the helm. Um, for me, he reminds me, he's, he's like that cross-section between like a Harden and a Westbrook where they'll always go off. They'll always be box office but their game is very, very predictable. You know what to expect for them and you can almost scheme them out of games. And for the most dominant and highest paid player in the, in the NBA, I think that's a bad thing to have attached to your name. Um, as, as we saw when, 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 when he was out, their style of play seemed to improve. And 
I know it's easy to say that in a small sample size, but ball movement and activity off the ball is what wins championships these days. We can, we can focus on isolation play and all of that, but extreme examples of it always seem to fall short. So, yeah, having someone like Bogdanovic who can go off, uh, having a Drew Holiday, both of those pieces would have, would have went a long way to improving on a design, doing something new. But, yeah, for me, it's more of the same with a component of improvement. Uh, yeah, I think I'm buzzing for Milwaukee and I'm buzzing for Yanis because, you know, you know by now, I'm, I think it's so important for the league that markets stay competitive outside of the main three or four. Um, but yeah, I don't see a huge difference this year. Drew Holiday is a better player than um, Eric Bledsoe, but you know, I mean, like, I don't know how much it's really moved the needle. I think they're better. But until the system changes, um, I can see just a similar sort of outcome, unless Yanis just adds something to his game where he can just take the ball and, and make stuff happen by himself a little bit more. Um, it's a funny one, man. Like two years ago, the the voice around Yanis was, yeah, he's, he's on course to be the face of the league. Um, and now just after a couple of, of playoff exits, poor playoff exits, uh, the narrative has really shifted around is he just sort of a flat track bully and uh, and how far can Milwaukee go with him really um, so I think it's tough and I just to be honest like I, I don't think you can dislike Yanis like looking at his story and where he's from and the fact that he's recommitted to the to the in his words franchises that put their trust in him like I really want him to do well to be fair I really want him to succeed and I don't say that about many players in the league to be honest that um the uh, stories resonate the same way, but yeah, I just don't know, man. Um, I can just see them having a ceiling until there's a coaching or system change because it's just going to be more of the same, isn't it? Yeah, I think Giannis is going through that stage that every kind of star, superstar goes through where it's like, okay, you've proven yourself in a regular season. Fine, that's the first hurdle. Now you have to make hay in the playoffs and this is, this is it. Like... Um, Winning is the only thing, like I said the other day, winning is the only thing that shuts people up, really. So until he does, they're going to they're gonna be question marks around him. Um, so before we go, I just wanted to get you lots of picks on who's actually uh, going to come out of the East. So give me your Eastern Conference final and give me who you expect to come out of the East. I'll start with you, Yes. It's tough because of matchups and everything, but... Um... Wherever Harden goes. No, I'm joking. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just got a feeling about Philadelphia. I think they'll be really good. Um, that was the draft music. It was the draft music. That was the draft. We got our draft in two and a half minutes, our fantasy draft. Um, uh, yeah, so um, no, I think I think Philly, Brooklyn, um, obviously it's based on matchups, I think. I think um, it all depends on that, but I think Philly, Brooklyn, and obviously I see Brooklyn coming out of it, and and it will be Clippers level of hilarity to me if they don't. And how about yourself, Sai? I did have Philly, Philly, Brooklyn as as my pick as well, and I think we wiped the floor with them. To be perfectly honest, like there won't be any any going up three one uh, and blowing a lead. I think we we deal with them handily. 
let's let's take let's take Harden out of it, side. Yeah. Last, what do you think you do against last year's Miami? Hmm. I think I think it would be difficult, but I think we'll be able to get by them as well. I think there's 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 a lot more similarities in terms of the way that they approach the game and how we do than people maybe are tuned into. Um, I, I made the comment uh, not long ago that it's been a hard grind for us to get to the point that we're at now. You sort of laughed it off because we've obviously got two top 15 players, but the fact of the matter is, is there's a real culture, playing culture and dressing room culture at Brooklyn that I think will pull us through some of those hard, hard games. Um, and, and obviously the talent. So I do think we'll be able to get past Miami or it will be a seven-game series and we just fall short. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to run with my boys, I can't lie. Listen, man, as long as you take care of KD and Kyrie keeps his head down, I don't, see, I don't see it not happening, to be honest with you. And with that, I want to thank you both for your time this afternoon. Sai, always a pleasure. Uh, yes, always a pleasure too. And we'll catch up with you all next week. We've got to go from podcast to GMs very quickly, boys. The draft is in 30 seconds. I'll see you later. Right, peace. In a bit. Podcast Network.